Welcome back to the Dave Pash Podcast. We took off for about a month. We're kicking things back off with a guest who not only can talk about the Super Bowl champion, LA Rams, but also can talk about the team with the best record in the NBA. Suns forward Mikel Bridges, who has become one of the best two-way players in the NBA. Terrific offensive player, borderline all-star, but also a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year, and certainly to make one of the two All-NBA teams. Coming up, Mikel is going to talk about being at Super Bowl 56, his bet with teammate Cam Johnson, who's a Bengals fan, and what embarrassing thing Cam has to do after his team lost to Mikel's Rams. This is ongoing, and we're figuring out the, the time and place. This will be very, very, very great. But, um, yep, this is my most favorite bet that we have. Who were some of Mikel's favorite players growing up? He grew up in Philadelphia, but became a Rams fan. How he became a Rams fan? His relationship with former Cardinal and current Suns owner, Larry Fitzgerald. The differences between Monty Williams, his current head coach, and Jay Wright, his national champion coach at Villanova. What it's like playing with Chris Paul and lessons learned from being in the NBA Finals in 2021. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. You can sign up for BetMGM today using code CARDS1000 and get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. New customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 and over, Arizona only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. You can also follow us on Twitter, at PashPod. We're back with another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast, and our guest is Suns forward Mikel Bridges. Mikel, let's start with talking about your Rams. We're just a few days removed from winning the Super Bowl. I know you watched the game. Where did you watch the game? With who did you watch the game? And what was your reaction uh, when the clock hit zero and your Rams were Super Bowl champs? Well, first of all, I'd like to start. This is a great way to start. Um, this is this is a lovely comment for me to have right now. But um, yeah, I was in I was in LA for Super Bowl. Uh, me and Cam Johnson, we went. You know, I'm a Rams fan. He's a, a Bengals fan, and He's a so five man. It was really dope. That was my third time being in that building, and it's just unbelievable what they do. But man, watching that whole game and experience those Super Bowl was unbelievable. You know, something I always wanted to go to, and I was just blessed that and happy that my team was there. It was dope, man. I was so excited. I felt like when when we won, I felt like I won, man. I felt like I was a part of the team, and it was just it was an amazing feeling. Do you know any guys on the team? Have you been able to cultivate relationships with, with any of the current players? Uh, yeah, I think – I know a couple, but the one I'm close with is probably Ramsey. He's one I, – I remember him hitting me up when I got drafted and everything, which was pretty dope. He wasn't on L.A. yet, but uh, that was just dope of him for that, man, and um, just kind of building a little friendship with him. Uh, it's been really cool. How did you become a Rams – fan because you you grew up in philly were you an eagles fan growing up no so i grew so i grew up so i became a Rams fan off madden alone playing a video game 
Um, I was big on Marshall Falk and Kurt Warner, you know, Ice Bruce, Torrey Hill, all them guys, man. So fell in love with them during the game. But, uh, I mean, growing up, though, like, I, it wasn't like I hated the Eagles at all. Like, I I have a lot of fair players on that, on Eagles, man, like with Shady and Vic, D, like, I, like D-Jack. Like, I, I know the Eagles as much as I know my Rams just because all my friends and stuff. And, yeah, I enjoy watching them. It's just I was just a Rams fan, and uh, I just I just stuck with them even when we was bad. I, I, I'm rooted for the Eagles and everything. I, I like them and I always, you know, stayed with them. So this is primarily – Mikel, since I work for ESPN, but I also do the Cardinals games, this is primarily a football podcast. And, and the first guest when this kicked off last summer was Kurt Warner. And, you know, Kurt obviously playing here with the Cardinals, but most people know him for, you know, at least nationally for what he did with the Rams. And the movie yeah. American Underdog is out. I've seen it. It's great. It's all about his story leading up to the Rams Super Bowl. Uh, nothing on the Cardinals in there. Uh, the sequel would be just as good as the original story. And that, that's what Kurt said. Those aren't my words. Have you had a chance to see the movie yet? No, I have not. And um, I have to, man. Uh, I remember I, I actually didn't know they were coming out one until like I saw the trailer. And I was like, first, all I saw was, was they showing like clips. And all I saw was like 13 in and in in the Rams color. I'm like, hold up. This is not about to be. And then I kept watching the preview, I'm like, oh, that's that's dope. But I never got a chance to watch it. So you said you went to the game with Cam Johnson, and I read about that you guys had a bet that involved several layers of embarrassment for the loser. The one thing uh, that struck me the most was, did he have to set up a lemonade stand somewhere because he lost? Yeah, this is uh... – this will be this is ongoing and we're figuring out the time and place and we will let the city of Phoenix and people in Arizona know where it will be because this will be very, very, very great. And um we're figuring out the date now, but he will have a lemonade stand. If he cams a little lemonade stand, he can name it whatever he wants. But um, yep, this is my most favorite bet that we have. Is it is the lemonade going to be free or is it going to be like five cents? You're going to have like one of those signs that has the uh, like the five is backwards, you know, like a little kid would write. Yeah, he was talking to Cam. I said, Cam, my son off 50 cent, 25 cents. You know, we had a convo about, you know, the gas prices being up. You know, we, we don't we don't want to take too many people's money. You know what I'm saying? So we're just we're figuring all that out right now. Um, this, this is going to be great. All right, well, I, I, we'll finish with football, but I do want to shift to basketball because you guys are the best team in the NBA right now. There have only been 17 teams in NBA history to win more than 65 games, and you guys are on pace to do that. And I've got a couple of your games coming up on ABC against Utah and against Milwaukee, and I had you guys early in the year. I had you a bunch last year. The thing that stands out to me the most – and I, we can talk about Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker. But the thing that stands out to me the most is your, your guys' chemistry. And I'm curious, did that start before Chris Paul's arrival, or did it start when Chris got here? And you guys and Monty, that you guys all kind of came together and started to really build those relationships to a point where it's affecting whether you win games. 
Yeah, um, it started when Monty got here, man. You know, my second year, right, the bubble year, that's when it really started. Monty doing that culture and everything. You know, after having a tough rookie year, I kind of was in the league like, dang, I know the league was like this, but a lot of my vets and stuff that have been on other good teams and stuff tell me that this is not the NBA and, you know, it's going to get better one day. And, um, you know, it, it switched for me fast. Going to my second year, Monty just embracing it and, you know, building this culture. It started then, and then we got to the bubble, and the bubble got us even closer because of the whole pandemic and everybody in the world going through it. And then, you know, our whole thing was they made this bubble up, so now it's just us in Orlando, got nothing to lose. Uh, no, we had to make a playoffs. We had to go undefeated and other things to go our way. So we just kind of just had that just us against the world mentality, man, and just got real close down there. And it just kept things going. when We got CP going to the summer and going to the next year. Where do you think, because we, you know, on the outside can look in and, and guess, but you're obviously a part of it. You're there every day. You've been there with Chris every day. And just looking at his history, helping push the Clippers in the right direction, getting Houston to a position where they almost beat the Warriors in the conference finals. Where is his biggest impact felt with you guys and in terms of growing the culture and, and getting you to a point last year where you're in the finals? He's a winner, man. He just brings so much to the table. And, I mean, bringing a Hall of Famer in, man, is just it's unbelievable. And what he does, he just – who he is as a person and – what his mind is. Everybody's not built like him, especially mentally. And he's just so crafty on the court, knows the games so well. That's why he's just so separate than a lot of other players. Um, but I think his biggest thing is that he wants to win. And he's always – the crazy thing is I know people – he hasn't won championships and stuff, but he's been on teams that go to playoffs, go far. So he's been a winner, you know. I mean, championships on the five, you being a loser. You know, you could win – 70% of the games and, and you're not winning championship doesn't mean you're a loser. You just, you just couldn't get over that hump, but you're winning games every year and putting your team in a position to win every year. So, you know, he just, he had that energy and everybody else had the same energy, man. It was, it's just great. There was no question in LA that there was some friction with him and Blake Griffin. And there were a lot of people that said, you know, Blake just couldn't take Chris's personality. And a lot of guys don't respond well to that. You guys obviously have. Did you have a moment where you were challenged at all by him? Uh, and just based on your background, I'm guessing you welcomed it. Do you do you have any recollection of of anything like that? I know it's happened with Aiton, but has it happened with you at all? Yeah, always, man. It goes on to this day. We're all competitors, and see what's greatness out of everybody. And it's, it's all the time, man. We just we stay on each other, keep getting better, and everything. Uh, not get satisfied, and we need that, you know. We, you know, we we won a lot of games right now. We can easily just be relaxed and just think, you know, oh, we're beating everybody right now. It's gonna be easy to, you know, at the try. It's gonna be easy to win a championship. Like, no, it's not like that. You know, you gotta keep that fire and keep going and um, never being satisfied. Um, you know, I learned that when I was in college, but having C and him demanding that at all times is just something that we need, especially coming from one of our leaders. Um, it's, it's great. You know, that's what it takes. That's what it really takes to, to go far and see just keeping everybody, you know, just 
just right there, you know. We're all excited stuff how we're playing, but we all know that just our biggest thing is trying to be the best team we could be by the end of the year. Well, you've become more than just a good player. You, you came into the NBA, you were a good player based on what you did in college, winning two national championships. I think everybody knew you were a good player, but you become one of the best two-way players in the NBA. And I saw recently, I think it was just the other day, that in NBA.com has you right now number two behind Giannis for defensive player of the year. Now I'm one of the voters. So at the end of the year, I'll do all the, all the awards, MVP, defensive player of the year, all NBA teams. And I take a lot of time and effort when I vote because it's directly tied to your guys' finances uh, and your contracts. And so I, I'm, I'm very, very careful and respectful with the process. So knowing that there's still a month and a half, two months to go here in the season, give me your pitch on why you should be defensive player of the year. Man. um, I don't know. I just, this is not things I think about, man. Honestly, I just got there. I play hard. I just try to find ways to win, help the team as much as I can. I just got there to play hard for my teammates and coaches. I, I, I promise you, I don't really, you know, think about things like that. Obviously, like you said, it was the contracts. I know agents and everybody else, family, friends, which is great. You know, I, I never, I'm always grateful and I'm never going to take anything for granted, but I just got there hoop, man. I just try to be the best player I can be and try to give the best chance I get to help my team win. So, um, that's what really all is. And I know a lot of people just say it just to say it, but I really, I truly mean it. I love this team. I love my guys. And I just, I just got there and play and just do whatever it takes. Well, whether you win the award or not, there's still time, but I don't think there's any question you're going to be on one of the all NBA defensive teams. That that's, that's a point that is, I think, set in stone. You're, you're going to make one of those teams, you, you, at this point, probably first team. And again, you, you could still win the award. W- what is the biggest challenge with being a great defensive player in the NBA? Because you're guarding the other team's best player, and it's not always going to be somebody that plays your position. So what's the key when one night it, you may have to be going up against James Harden? The next night it might be... LeBron James. What what's the key for you? Um, just no tendencies, man. And I think that's just individually for myself that I take you know pride in, just knowing what players do and and what they like to do and and, and go out and play hard. But um I all said and done, you know, all the things I do off the court and then get myself ready to guard those guys makes my job way easier knowing I got four guys behind me that's just gonna make my life way easier you know I know it's never just me out there um they give me all the confidence in the world to go out there and be aggressive and you know do things and you know play my way defensively and um I'm just truly blessed um you know we just like I said just the four guys behind me man they just make things way easier for me and um I think that's why where we're at right now just because of how well we all play together for you when you talk about preparation how much are you studying? So let's say, you know, you're playing, well, now Philly, and you got to go up against James Harden, or when healthy, Brooklyn, and you're playing Kevin Durant. Yeah. How much are you studying of their games? How how much are you preparing mentally ahead of time for that challenge? Um, 
I mean, it's tough. It's tough in the league. Just you play, you play every other day. So it's not like in advance, but it's just you know, you see, but you just next game and you 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 tend, you know if you have a couple of days off and the opponent about to play, and it might be on TV or they're playing the day before or one of your off days. You know, I watch. You know, just watch a lot of basketball and just watch and just watch out the whole game. Also looking at the players on my garb, also just seeing their offense and how they play together. But uh, that's what it is, just watching a lot of basketball, man, just watching games, they know other games, and then um, kind of easier, too, if you play them early in the year or a week ago, you could go back to the game and watch, you know, what they were doing as well. What's the greatest lesson you think you guys learned from the experience last year of going to the finals and, and getting that close to winning a championship? You know, some teams get that far, and, you know, the next year after not accomplishing that goal, you see it more in football than the NBA, but you do see it where a team makes the finals, doesn't win, struggles the next year. You guys haven't. You guys have been better this year than last year. So what was the biggest lesson that you guys took away from that experience a year ago? Just knowing what it takes, you know, it takes everybody and it's all the little things. Um, and that's what we knew, you know, we had that feeling, um, you know, being thirsty to be back there, we know what we have to do. Um, you know, obviously it was it was tough to sit there and watch them celebrate, but you know you can't talk about it. You, you know, you gotta you gotta go on. You know, you gotta. Right? If we sit here and just be upset about it, you know, that's not going to help for the year after for next year. Um, we just knew what we had to do. Obviously, it stung, but you know, I still think it was just a hell of a year. But just knowing that we had to come back. And do all the little things, even though we thought we was doing all the little things, you gotta do even more of the little things. And um but we just you know, that's what it really is, is just playing the whole forty eight every game. Couple more and we'll get you out of here. I'm curious, you talked about Monty earlier and the culture that he started. You play for a guy, Villanova, that is different in terms of, you know, how he approaches building culture, but he's built culture nonetheless. And you know, Jay Wright is a guy that has had as much success at the college level as anybody the last 20 years. What are some of the similarities with Jay and Monty? And what are some of the differences? Oh, man. Differences, they ain't really too many differences, man. They're they're literally they're literally the same. Um man, they, they want the best out of you. It's just all about the details. You know, that's that's what Coach Wright and you know defending and not rebound everything man executing like they're literally the same person it, it, it's crazy just I, I remember when my first guy here and how he was i'm looking at him like dang like i just felt like i felt like i'm with coach Wright again you know and it's uh it's dope and you know especially knowing you know who they are and the thing about coach Wright mont is that they both really care um at the end of the day you know and they both they call you up they're calling you out and um, it's just I'm blessed to have been coached by two great coaches, man. It's just, and they both helped me, you know, keep striving and be the best player I can be every single day. And, and I just never take them for granted. Larry Fitzgerald, how, how is your relationship with him? Have you had a chance to get to know Fitz? And have you seen him play basketball? He claims to be pretty good. Can he hoop at all? Uh, uh, Fitz, great dude, man. I'm happy. You know me, man, a kid watching football all the time and know who he is. And 
me always picking them up in Madden drafts and knowing that he's going to catch every single thing. You know, my my QB uh, my throws it to him. Um, it's great, man. You know, I love football, and I know Larry Fitz for so long, just knowing what type of player he is. And uh, it's just great, you know, building a friendship with him and knowing the type of person he is. And everybody always used to tell me he's the greatest person and then meeting him and really saying the same exact thing to other people when they ask me about him because it really is, man. He's just he's just a great dude, man. And he's special. That's just not everybody's like that. Not everybody's like who he is. And that's why, he, that's why it makes him so different, man, because he's just like, such a great guy. But I've never seen a hoop. Yeah, I've never seen a hoop. The big debate, for whatever reason, by the way, after the Super Bowl is should Matthew Stafford be in the Hall of Fame? And I'm curious if you have a take on that. Because people – look, he had great numbers in Detroit, and then he wins the Super Bowl, and everybody says, well, that automatically makes you a Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm not sure where I stand on that. He's still got – you know, who knows? The guy could play for five more years. Yeah. Do you have a thought on that at all? Man, I had the committee. I, I, I tapped into his numbers, but I know, I know a lot of people say that he wouldn't be all famer because he hasn't won a championship and like that, and he did. So I just, I wonder what the next excuse would be. So that's how the world goes. They say one thing and then they do it, then there's another excuse. So, so we'll see. <laughs> all right, last one. If Sean McVay retires, what what will what will your reaction be? If he decides, you know what, I'm going to go do TV, I'm going to get out of coaching for a while. Uh, you know, I'd be upset, man. He's one of the greatest coaches that I've seen. But um, it's his life, you know, just I respect it. And, uh, you know, he did, he did a lot to make, to make me happy about, you know, being a Rams fan. And the things he's done to turn the program around has just been un- unbelievable. And just grateful to have him as you know as the coach for the rams well listen man i appreciate the time congratulations on you know living vicariously through the rams and feeling like you were a champion on the football field Uh, i hope that uh, you get an opportunity to be a champion on the hardwood this year with the suns and i I, again i think you become one of the best two-way players in the nba i know you're not going to say that but i can say that and (laughs) i know this man you were going to make one voter for sure, and I know I'm not the only one, but I can just speak for, for me. You're going to make this a very, very tough decision uh, at the end of the year when it comes voting time because you've been fantastic. And I look forward to seeing you in person here in a couple games coming up and, and watching you the rest of the way. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Great to catch up with Phoenix Suns forward Mikel Bridges. You could tell how ecstatic he was, his Rams winning the Super Bowl, him being in attendance to see it, and also how excited he was that he won the bet with Cam Johnson and that Cam now has to sell lemonade as part of restitution for losing the bet for the Super Bowl. Also some great stuff about the comparisons of Jay Wright to Monty Williams. You could also tell just how humble Mikel is. He doesn't want to talk about how great of a defensive player he is and whether he's truly a candidate for defensive player of the year. But NBA.com even has, in its latest power rankings, Bridges number two behind Giannis, who won the award a couple years ago. If the Suns continue on this pace and finish with the best record in the NBA, 
I don't think there's any question he is going to be heavily considered league-wide for Defensive Player of the Year and certainly for one of the two all-NBA defensive teams. It's really interesting, too, Mikel's comments on the chemistry and the culture and Monty Williams not calling you out but calling you up and how the Suns built on their experience going undefeated in the bubble a couple years ago to coming that close to winning an NBA championship and how they've improved even from that season and will be in the hunt to win an NBA title in 2022. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. During the regular season, we were doing a Dave Pash podcast episode every week. It will be less frequent during the offseason, but we'll certainly keep you up to date on when a podcast is airing and who is the guest. You can follow us on Twitter for that and more at PashPod. Thanks again for listening to Mikkel Bridges from the Phoenix Suns on this week's edition of the Dave Pash Podcast.